You know, it's a, this subject, I believe, is desperately, desperately needed. It's needed in our church. It's needed in the church in general. It's needed in our world. And so it's, a, it's just a very timely topic. But, uh, but it's not an easy topic to preach. Uh, it really isn't because we're, what we're doing is we're, we're talking about um, these, just, uh, these uh, things about an, a God who is infinite, and, um, and we're not. We're not infinite. He, he is limitless, and, and we're limited. Don't be elbowing the person beside you, right? But it, um, what we're doing really is we're just scratching the surface on each and every one of these topics about the characteristics, about the attributes, about uh, the qualities of God. And, and, and the real desire is that we would create a hunger in each and every one of us to know more to know more about who God is, know more about his ways, know more, uh, because the more we know him, the more we will love him, the more we will trust him. But to do this, to know him, we need his help. And, uh, and he is willing out of his great love and his desire for relationship with each and every one of us. And I hope we don't just gloss over that really quickly. I, I would encourage you to stop just for a minute and think. The God of the universe, this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, infinitely perfect in every way God, this limitless God, chooses to have an intimate personal relationship with each and every one of us, with me and with you. And that's, that's amazing. What a wonderful, wonderful God he is. And so that would prompt us then to say, I, I want to self-feed. I want to learn some things on my own. I want to dig into some things that go beyond just the few minutes that we have together on Sundays or Wednesdays. And I really encourage, get plugged into our Wednesday groups, get plugged in to the, uh, to the grow groups. Man, you just, uh, it's going to be so healthy, so beneficial for you. So God, God does his part. He goes beyond um, what we could expect. When he reveals himself to us, he does it for all types of different ways. He does it through history. He does it through science, and so I, I, I would just uh, reiterate that, that science has yet and, and never will contradict the presence, the uh, existence of God. What it does more and more is proves the existence of God, and so science, he reveals himself in science. He reveals himself in, um, in, uh, in many, many just different ways, and especially one of the greatest ways. I'm taking a class right now. I've been studying about this, about how God reveals himself just in our bodies and how he's created us and what he's created us to do and to be. It's so amazing the way that he... Um, the way that he just uh, reveals himself in the human body. And then one of the greatest ways, of course, is he reveals himself to us in the Word of God. And so that's why each and every one of us want to be students, not just readers. We want to read, we want to study, and we want to hide the Word of God in our heart because it's going to be beneficial to us. And, and throughout his Word, he uses um, allusions and, and illustrations and symbols and all different types of things to reveal himself so we can know him better, so that we can know him better. Aren't you glad the Bible says that if we seek him, we will what? We will find him. So I pray that during this series, God is creating a hunger and a thirst for him so that we can know him better and better. And uh, not only do we know him better and better, that as we know him better, we can make him known. How many people know we've got a world that they need to know who the true and living God is? And that's part of our purpose right here on earth today. So let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you again. Thank you for our time of worship. We have known you better today. 
because of your presence. We know you better because of the way that you've moved our hearts, that you've brought peace into our lives. And, and today, God, I pray that you will just cause there to be a great hunger and a great uh, thirst in each of our lives to know you more and more, deeper and deeper. And as we do, God, it just grows. It just benefits our lives in every way. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. It was April 19th, 1989. A uh, lady named uh, Tricia Mele. She um, decided to go for a jog, so she gets up. Uh, it's in the evening. She uh, gets dressed, and she goes out for her jog. Oftentimes, she would just jog through the city. Many times, uh, she would choose to jog through uh, Central Park. This night, there was a lot of commotion going on in the city, and so she said, well, I'm going to go through the park. Little did she know that uh, the park was filled with people that night, and there had been some um, very uh, wrong and bad things that had been taking place. And uh, as she was on her jog, unfortunately, very horribly and terribly, she was, um, she was attacked, and she was brutally, brutally victimized in um, just horrific ways and literally almost lost her life. That um, the police, wanting to bring a kind of squelch all of the different activities that were going on, uh, said, we're going to make an example. We're going to find who did this, and we're going to make an example of them. And in their zeal, they um, located five teenage boys who had uh, been in the park. Corey Wise, Raymond Santana, Yusuf Salam, uh, Kevin Richardson, and Antron McRae. If those names sound familiar to you, maybe you have um, watched or saw a, a series that was recently on, and it was called When They See Us, When They See Us. It's a very um, hard movie to watch when you see some of the things that take place to these uh, with these teenage boys, of course, with this lady whose life has um, been completely changed for, uh, for the, out the rest of her history. Um, but these young men, these five teenagers, were... Um, they were interrogated, they were really victimized in very, very dif difficult ways. They were coerced and forced into giving a confession to this attack. And once they confessed, then they were, um, they were prosecuted, they were indicted and prosecuted, they were taken to court, and they were found guilty of um, this, just this heinous crime against, uh, against this lady, and they were sentenced. Uh, some of them served seven years, a couple served nine, one served 13 years before they found, before it was found out, uh, discovered that they were not responsible for this attack. They were, um, there was evidence that came forward, there was a confession that came forward that proved that they were, um, they had spent time in prison, in jail, they'd been wrongly accused, all of these things and yet they were innocent of these charges. You know what that is? It's not just, and it's not right. That this jogger, that, that, that Patricia went out, and that her life was forever changed, that she was injured during this, this attack, that's not just, and it's not right. And, and the truth is, this isn't just something we see one time in a movie or in a story. We find that it happens time and time and time again in our world and in our society where things take place where 
where innocent people are found guilty. There's difficult situations that go on. I could go list, the, as I was doing research, there's the Norfolk Four, the Beatrice Six. And in news accounts, just in our, in our own span of time, we've heard about people like Amanda Knox. We've heard about uh, people like uh, Michael Morton or Anthony Ray Hinton, people who served long uh, prison sentences and then was discovered that they were not guilty. And uh, can I tell you that that's not right and it's not just. It's not right and it's not just. They, were, um, they, they lost years of their lives. They lost uh, some of their futures, relationships with families, things that would they never get back. And it's not just and it's not right. Recently, we know the names of George Floyd, of Aaron Bailey, of Breonna Taylor, of Officer Breanne Leaf, of Captain David Dorn, and many others who were not only attacked, but who were murdered, who were killed. They lost their lives in situations that should not have taken place and circumstances that should not have occurred. And folks, I'm here today to tell you that it's not just and it's not right. Amen? And we could go on and on. So with this being truth, that these things are not just and not right, what does justice and righteousness mean? The dictionary says it like this. It says that justice, the noun justice, means the quality of being just, righteousness, equitableness, or a moral rightness. Now, okay, did you catch that? The definition of just or justice involves righteousness. Now, here's the definition of righteousness. It says, righteousness is characterized by being morally right or justifiable. So what we really see here are two words that are so closely related, they can't be separated. It's like two sides to a coin. When something is both, to be, for it to be just, it has to be right. To be righteous, there must be justice involved. The reason we uh, look at it this way is because biblically, and those of us who are followers of Christ want to operate from a biblical worldview. So biblically, when we think about biblical justice and biblical righteousness, the same thing is true. It's two sides of one coin. And many, many times throughout the scriptures, when the word justice or just is used, the word righteousness could also be, uh, it could be used just as well. We live in a world where it's very politically correct right now to cry out for justice. We hear shouts. We see it on the news. We see it in the newspapers uh, over and over again where people are demanding justice. And so I want to declare today that but for things to be just, they must also be right. We just can't have the one without the other. So we, all of us as the people of God, should be shouting out for righteousness as well. And, and I believe that we do. I believe that it's innate within us that there's a cry for things to be righteous and things to be just. I mean, I mean you honestly, you don't have to teach a child uh, a whole lot about uh, uh, righteousness and justice. Um, I think it's something that's in us. As a matter of fact, if you want to find out if this is true, um, the next time you're around a bunch of children, then just take some uh, candy or prizes or toys or whatever, and then line them up and give a toy to every other child. <laughs> you will quickly hear the cries, that's not right, that's not fair, I, right? We see that. But can I tell you, it doesn't just happen with children. It happens in our lives. I don't know about you, does it happen in your life? 
man, I, I, I mean, there's so many examples that go through my mind. Somebody goes flying down the highway, and they pass me, you know, speeding, and I wish I was going at that speed. And it's not right that they don't get caught, but if, if I do, <laughs> that just doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. I remember a... Um, a television show. I don't know about you, but I like those. Uh, I like these shows that are kind of funny, and maybe they do pranks. And one of them is I love the show where there are a bunch of people in a grocery store, and this um, man is in line at the grocery store, and he lets the lady behind him go in front of him. Oh, go ahead. You just got a few items. Go ahead and, and go in. And oh, thank you, thank you. So she goes, and just after she's getting her bag to walk out, the guy walks up, and all of a sudden the the alarms go off, and buzzers, and balloons, and confetti, and they go, "You're our millionth." customer, you won a million dollars. And she's looking back at him like, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not right. That's not, I should have been that customer. Any of us ever look at situations in life going, that's not right. I, I, I should, they got that. How did they get that? They're stupid people. I deserve that. You know, not, right. We, we, we oh, very easily, we cry out for righteousness and for uh, justice. We want things to be fair. So well, what does that mean about God? Well, the questions arise, where does this cry for righteousness, this cry for justice come from? And, and, and who sets the standard? Who gets to set the standard for what is right and what is just? Is it the, the person who shouts the loudest? Is that the person, they, man, if they, just, if they scream and shout and protest, then, then let's give them what they want? Or is it the, the person who's the strongest, they can enforce their will upon people? Is that the person that gets to decide what's righteous and just? Or, or maybe it's the, passion, the, the person with the most passion. Okay, the person who, who just demonstrates the most passion because we, we seem to think today that if you're passionate about something, well, then that's got to be right. And how many people know that you can be passionate about something but be passionately wrong about it? Yeah, it happens all the time, doesn't it? So among all those shouts, among all those questions, who really is right? Can we know for sure who gets to establish what is truly righteous and truly just? Absolutely, we can. We 100% we can, we can determine, we can know who gets to do that and how come that's a part of us because it all begins with who God is. It begins with a word that we've used a little bit during the series, a biblical worldview. It begins by looking through the lens of Scripture and saying, wait a minute, who is God and what is God's intention then in our lives and through our lives to be operational in the world in which we see. So this craving for righteousness in us is because we are created in the image of God and that God puts himself in us and breathes into us and so that there's things, I mean, some people may say, well, you know, we've evolved and, and through evolution, but my, the only problem is I've never seen or heard of things that evolved into a better state, Right? I've never seen a, a pile of wood laid on the ground and watch it evolve into a build, you know, evolve into a building or a house. Or, I mean, that that just doesn't carry weight, does it? So we know that it has to come from someplace else, and it comes because God is perfectly righteous and perfectly just, and He has poured Himself, His own being, into us. You see, God is righteous and God is just. It is what He is. And it is what he does. Deuteronomy puts it like this. It says, the rock, okay, the rock, I love the scripture, the rock, before Dwayne Johnson, okay, 
But before, before the rock, there was the real rock. And he, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Now listen, I, I, would, I would take, I would write these scriptures down, I would, I would mark them in my Bible, highlight them on my phone, whatever it is, because what this is doing is laying a foundation that says we can absolutely put our trust in God. He's faithful, he's without iniquity, he's just, he's upright in all of his ways. Everything that he does, boy, not everything that I do is right and just. I mean, there's times I question his timing, but you know what? He's righteous and just. Psalm 71 puts it like this. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? And the answer is there's nobody like him. And that his righteousness, it reaches to the throne, it reaches to the heavens. What this is really saying, the whole context of this verse is saying that the righteousness of God fills the heavens. It fills the universe. How many people know that the earth is just one small part of what's in the universe? And if God's righteousness fills the universe, then it means that everything he says, everything he does, everything he's created, all of his ways are completely just and righteous. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. So all of his works, all of his, everything that he does, everything that he thinks, everything that he acts upon, every action, every intention, all the timing of God, listen, it's all righteous. So all of his works. What are some of those works? Well, they are, it's his thoughts. Can, can I tell you today that God never has an unrighteous thought, an unjust thought about any person? Man, I don't know about you, but I thought there's times when, well, I bet God would like to take me out back and just beat me up, right? Anyway, I thought, man, if God could just reach over and just, you know, just take us and shake us a little bit or pinch our little heads, uh, I mean, you know, but that's never in the heart of God. That's not who he is. Every thought of God is righteous and good. His, his intentions, listen to this, because people question this. Does God really intend good for every person, for every man, every woman, every boy and girl on the face of the earth, every person that's ever lived? God's intentions are good for those people. They're good for you. They're good for me. So, so when we see bad things happen and, and all of a sudden we're trying, we're wanting to lay the blame at the feet of God, can I tell you that God's intentions are good? Why? Because God knows every aspect of every situation. He knows the thoughts and the intentions of every situation. So his thoughts, his intents, his acts are always good. His judgments. Now when we use the word judgment or start to talk about judging something, in our world the context can turn a little bit negative. We think if you're going to judge somebody that you're going to criticize them or you're going to say bad things about them. But can I tell you that all judgment is not negative, okay? Sometimes, you know, maybe uh, you've ever watched a race, maybe on television, a car race, or uh, maybe some type of an, uh, an animal race, or you've uh, watched some type of sporting event, and they come to the finish, and it's too close to tell who won. And so they go back and they do this thing called a photo finished, and then somebody makes a judgment, and they say, oh, you win. You win a million dollars. You win the championship. You win. So that's a judgment. Can I tell you that God is always looking for opportunities 
to declare over you, you win. You get blessing. You get God's judgments on our behalf. He's are always good. The scripture puts it like this in Psalm 9. It says, but the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. See, God's established his throne. He's sitting on his throne. The scripture says that, that, the, earth, uh, that the, the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. It's a big throne. It says the foundation of his throne right there. It's justice and righteousness. And God's, um, God's desire is to allow justice to flow from that throne in and through our lives. Psalm 89 puts it like this. It says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Okay, So all of the actions of God, the actions that, that come from his being, from his throne, they're all righteous and they're just. And it goes on and says, steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So every righteous, every just act of God is filtered through, flows through his heart of love for every person. So God's saying, I want justice and righteousness in your life because in justice and righteousness, my love will bless your life. It'll impact your life in a way that it'll make it better than you've ever dreamed possible. So we don't want to step back from the justice and the righteousness of God. We want to push into it. And that brings us to the question then, what does this mean for us? God is just. If God is just, that means he's, he's not a respecter of people. That he doesn't value some people more than he values other people. That he doesn't cater to the whims of some and neglect or ignore the, the, the others. He never shows favoritism. I told the story in the first, uh, when I think about this, um, God having favorites, I always think about Hannah when she was, uh, I don't know, going on a journey or needed, had a need in her life, and all of a sudden that uh, this need was miraculously met, and, uh, and somebody asked her, what do you think about it? And she goes, well, I just expected God to do that because I'm his favorite. <laughs> well, she, she is his favorite, but you know what else? You're his favorite. I'm his favorite. Each and every one of us, he's kind of like me with pie. What's your favorite? Yes, yes. That's a, he, he, you're his favorite. He loves you. So God doesn't show favoritism. He's never partial. He's never prejudiced. He doesn't okay, come in and just because he likes somebody better, take one side or uh, another. He's always righteous and just. He's always fair. Think about it again. He knows things about uh, the situation. He knows the thoughts, the intents of people's hearts. He knows what he's working to accomplish in and through people's lives. So God's judgments are always, always beneficial. Is this important to us? Well, absolutely it's important to us. It's important to us in our own hearts. It's important to us in our ability to trust God. But it's, it's just important to us in very practical ways in life. I mean, if, if we were going to put our trust in a judge, we want that judge to be a good judge, right? We want him to do right things. If you and I were to step into a courtroom and <clears throat> maybe we were going to be uh, involved in a case, but our case was the next in line. And so the first case, we're sitting in the courtroom and we're watching and there's a person on trial and the person on trial is Adolf Hitler, okay? You know who Hitler is, you know all of the atrocities and over six million Jews that were killed because of his orders and directions. And so they start reading the charges against him. And hour after hour after hour, the charges are read of, of all of his atrocities against humanity, against uh, all of the expense that he cost the world, and the, just all of the things that go hours, nine, ten hours go by. 
And finally, they finish reading all of the charges. All of the things are laid out on the table. He's obviously guilty, deserves a just, right verdict of, to be, you know, annihilated. But the judge, the prosecutor says to the judge, judge, that's, that's the end of our evidence. And the judge says, you know, I've been thinking about this. And he's been through a lot of stuff. And he's had some tough times. It's been really hard on him. I think he's learned his lesson. He's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's free to go. There's no punishment. There's no, how many people think that that judge has lost his mind, right? Would you want your case settled by that judge if you were the person that was being, maybe you were the one that had the, the argument? So we'll say, well, if he's going to judge in my favor, but how do you know if he's not righteous and he's not just? Unfortunately, we see this time and time again. We see examples of it. As I was researching, I found out that there was a, there was a prosecutor in Chicago years ago, Ms. Fox, who um, became notorious for being able to, for, for prosecuting some things with just extreme, you know, just, just going after it with all of her strength and then other things just kind of letting it go and come to find out it was because maybe she was uh, trying to pander to somebody who had influence or she was receiving payment. It's not just prosecutors, but judges uh, that make some crazy, crazy judgments. In uh, Georgia, there was a judge. His name was uh, Judge Thomas Maloney, and he was actually um, had, a, had a nickname that I won't talk about here, but he said that he, uh, he, would, uh, he could be bought for the right amount of money. And as a matter of fact, if your case came into his court and you didn't offer him a bribe, didn't pay the sum that he requested of you, then he would give you an even worse sentence than the crime required. We see these type of things that take place. How many people know that that's not just and it's not right? And it doesn't just happen elsewhere. I've seen it happen right here in our own community. I've seen been in the courtroom when someone, um, a gentleman was in a custody situation and, and um, because there had been some um, interaction with this judge previously, uh, the judge took a very crazy, gave a crazy judgment, and this man lost contact for his, with his child for 15 years. It wasn't just, it wasn't right. Uh, just a side note here, how many people, do you, does anybody know that, <laughs> that uh, East Texas is known as like one of the top 10 crazy, uh, uh, interesting judgments that have ever been made when you look it up? Um, there was a judge here in our community, here in Smith County, who a couple came uh, before them, and um, there was this kind of suit that was going on. The lady was uh, with child, and not only did the judge mandate that he was going to um, pay child support, but um, he gave the man the, the choice of either uh, marrying this woman or going to jail. Now, I, I don't make any comments here. I'm, I'm telling you guys, don't, don't, don't go there. <laughs> but it's not the same thing. <laughs> okay, don't, don't, don't even think that, all right? So, um, but uh, he married the lady. But it's written down as a, as a crazy, crazy judgment. You know, I, I, so we want, we realize that there are, are things that are just and righteous that impact our lives and things that are not just and not righteous that impact our lives on a daily basis. But in the heart of God, in the, in, in, in the life of God's people, there's always been this cry, this stance of righteousness and justice, and it's still part of our lives today. So we've, uh, I think we all can remember hearing the uh, distinctive voice of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., 
Uh, I still find it hard to believe that all men are created equal when some people get voices like mine and some people get voices like Dr. Martin Luther King, right? So, uh, but we've got Dr. Martin Luther King, and he stands up and he begins to quote from the Old Testament book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 24. He says, he says but let justice roll down like waters. I can hear his voice saying that even as I read these words. Let justice roll down like waters. And you know, we've got a, a lot of people who've grabbed hold of that part of what he said. And people that are saying, we want justice. We want justice. We're crying out for justice. And we want justice. Well, let me tell you, I, I think that we want more than just justice. Justice in the Old Testament said this. It says, listen, if somebody attacks you and they hit you in the mouth and they bust out one of your teeth, then justice says, here, let's get them and let's bust out one of their teeth. Justice says if, if somebody does something and, and you get blinded, you lose an eye because of it, then what we need to do is bring that person in and then let's poke out their eye. That's justice. Somebody's poor, let's all be poor, that'll be justice. Somebody's going through a difficult time, let's all be going through difficult times, that's justice. But you know what? What we find out is if that's the standard that we live by, we're going to end up with a lot of toothless, blind people walking around. <laughs> and that's not God's intention. That's not God's intention for your life. That's not God's intention for my life. So I'm so thankful that Dr. King did not stop quoting there, but he went on to quote the rest of the verse. He said, he read this in the, the second part of Amos chapter 5, verse 24, he says, not only should we let justice roll down like waters, but let righteousness flow like an ever-flowing stream. You know what he's saying? He's saying it's justice. Yes, we cry out for justice, but we cry out for righteousness. Because if it's not just, if it's not righteous, it can't be just. Amen? Amen. And this is the heart of God. God wants there to be justice and righteousness flowing. He wants there to be a place where all of God's people can have the choice, can make the choice, can choose to experience and to have the opportunity to live in the goodness of Almighty God. That's God's heart. That's God's heart. See, God is righteous. He alone is perfectly righteous. His desire is for good for every person. You'll never meet a person, no matter what they've done to you, no matter how they've impacted your life, what pain or difficulty they brought into your life, that God's plan for that person is not good. You know what? If that's God's heart for people, that's going to be our heart for people. Amen? See, God doesn't miss the opportunities to bless people. He's looking to make righteous judgments on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 6 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. Can I tell you that you'll never perform, you'll never do a righteous work. Some people may never know about it. Pastor Chris, people may never know about the things that you do, the way that you serve, the way you pray, the way you pour out your heart and your life. But can I tell you, God knows. God is a faithful He's a, he's a trustworthy rewarder of those that serve him. He's righteous to do that. He won't overlook. He, he's looking. Listen, he's looking for opportunities to reward our lives 
for all that we do, for the way that we live in the justness and the rightness of Almighty God. He's looking for opportunities to bless us. In the same way, I want to tell you, God can't overlook sin. That wouldn't be just. It wouldn't be right. And so God looks at sin and he says the, the, the just and right response to sin then is judgment and wrath. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's adequate for, for sin. As a matter of fact, I, I would say this today that, you know, God would be completely just and completely righteous if he sentenced each and every one of us to death for our own sin, for the, own, the things that have gone on in our own lives. But can I tell you, God, that's not what God wants to do. That's not what's in God's heart. The times when there's been hurtful, painful correction and punishment and discipline that's been poured out. It, it, it's not been something that's brought joy to God. I love the scripture in Ezekiel 33 where it says this, and what he's saying, the scripture saying is that it breaks the heart of God when people choose wrong things. He says, say to them, he's telling the prophets, prophesy this to the people. As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I think some people think God likes to see people die, likes to that's not who, that's not God. That's not the God of the Bible. God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. So turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die? Why will you choose death, O Israel? Why will you choose death, people? My, my, my declaration to people in the why would you choose the pain, the, the death, the agony when you can choose life? See, this is why. This is why God had to send Jesus. You see, the sin of man, when we say the sin of man, I don't want us to get too far removed that it's other men's sins, but my sin, my sin, your sin, was the reason that Jesus had to come. Because of our unrighteousness. You see, our sin, our unrighteous, the, our unjust acts, they deserve the penalty and the punishment the wrath of death. As I said, God would have been just to give that to each and every one of us. Justice demanding that God do something, that God take action. While God is righteous and while God is just, he's also loving. And so love steps in and says, wait a minute. We're going to make a way that all people don't have to die. Love says, I've got a solution that goes beyond just the execution of, of wrath on all people. I've got, a, I've got a solution, and that solution, love's solution, to fulfill the righteousness and the justice of God is called Jesus. His name is Jesus. All of the wrath, all of the, 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 the righteous justice and judgment and punishment for all people. Jesus took it upon himself because he loves us. He died our death. He died, he died my death so that I could live, so that I could be made righteous in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, that's the gospel. That's the story of the New Testament. <laughs> It's over and over and again. Read Romans, read Hebrews. You, can, you find it throughout the Scriptures, but especially in the New Testament, that God sent Jesus Christ to fulfill all justice and all righteousness. 
And it becomes the gift that he freely gives to us so that we can receive the rewards of a blessed life here and now and throughout eternity. So what do I want us to know? Well, we still live in a world where true righteousness and justice is um, it's desperately needed in, in every area of life. I've never seen a time like the time that we live in. But, but this, this justice and this righteousness that the world's crying for, it's become so twisted and so distorted by the effects and the impact of sin that, that it doesn't even resemble the intent of the truly righteous and just one. God had a whole different plan. That, this, what we're experiencing, what we're seeing, the atrocities of history and of the present are not God's desire for you and for me and for the people that are experiencing it. You see, our God is perfectly righteous and he's perfectly just. That means that he's perfectly trustworthy. And if we, if we can understand that we're made righteous in Jesus Christ, that we're completely justified, I love that word, just as if I'd never sinned, I'd never missed the mark, I'd never blown it, that that's what we're made in Christ, then I can say, then I can completely put my trust in that God, whether it comes to a relational situation or a financial situation. Are you with me? Are we tracking together here? Whether it's a physical situation, whether it's having to go back to school and what's going to happen in the hallways, whether it's in a pandemic or an epidemic or any kind of thing, I can completely put my trust in a trustworthy, righteous, and just God. What do I want us to feel? I want us to feel overwhelmed, overwhelmed with gratitude that this holy, righteous, just God loves us so much that he provided the gracious provision of Jesus Christ, the, the priceless Son of God, for you and for me. I'm telling you, if you're hearing these words, you'll never be able to look in the mirror again and question whether or not you're loved. I'm telling you, God has proven his love to us so, so much. I want us to be confident to trust God and to trust all of his works. And listen, sometimes that means to trust God in his timing. I don't know about you. I tell people nowadays, I said, you know, at this stage and period of my life, not that I can't miss God, uh, but, but directionally, I, I, I can usually get in track with God pretty easily. Man, I still struggle with timing. <laughs> Does anybody else struggle with timing? God, I prayed yesterday. Why is it not here today? You know, I mean, if Amazon can do it, God, why? <laughs> is it scary to you that you can think something and Amazon can then bring it up on your phone? I mean, it, it, it bothers me. It really does. But I ordered some stuff. The other, it said it'll be there. I ordered some stuff Friday. It said it'll be there Sunday, and it showed up last night. I'm concerned. You know, but don't you ever say, hey, God, wait a minute. Why can't you do it now? But can I tell you, in those times where there's a gap between what you want 
and when you want it and how you want it and when it takes place. There's something to fill the void. And can I tell you what it is that fills the void? Faith and confidence and trust in a God who is absolutely trustworthy, who is always going to work for your well-being because it's the only thing that he can do because he's righteous and he's just in all of his ways. I want you to feel, I want you to draw close to this God. I want to draw close to him. And I want him to expect, I want us to expect that when we call upon him, that he will answer righteously and justly for our blessing and for our benefit. And because of that, I hope that we will be motivated, motivated to live justly, to live righteously in the power of Jesus Christ. Now listen, we, we don't live do the right things to get saved, right? We, we could never do that. All of our righteousness, well, it's just a heap of trash, right? The Bible says this, but says, after we receive all that he's done and all that he is into our lives, then he gives us the strength to live justly, to treat people with justness and with rightness. So not living for salvation, but we're living from Okay, saved people live righteously. They live just. And can I tell you, that's what we were originally created for. That, that was our, God's original intent and purpose in our lives is that he could pour his justice and his righteousness so fully into our lives that it would flow through our lives. Can I tell you what God's answer to the cries of justice and Sometimes righteousness here in the world today is, it's you, it's me. We're to be the, the ones that care, that, 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 that bear. We're, the, we're not just the light bearers, the truth bearers. We are the justice and the righteousness bearers to a world that needs, that needs to see it. So God's plan is to show you his justness, his righteousness, it's to, it's to fill you with his righteousness, to fill you with his justice so that you can show it and that you can share it with every person. Can you imagine what a world would be like if all of God's people, they operated in a way where there was no partiality and, and no prejudice and no favoritism and, and people weren't judged by the color of their skin or the amount of money they make or the degrees that they hang on, but were judged. Why? We're judged that I love you because you're created in the image of God. I, I, I believe in you. I want to help you. I want to assist you. I want to walk with you. Because I know that God's desire for your life is for good, is for blessing, is for beauty and benefit. Hallelujah. What a world that would be. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 10. We won't go there today, but Proverbs chapter 10. If you want to know what justice looks like, I just encourage you just to go and read through Proverbs 10 shows what, what, what people who live justly and righteously like. It's a beautiful picture, and it's a picture that God wants for all of his people.